And in some ways that makes these in-person meetings and, and large events like fairs even more important because they drive everyone to these opportunities when the fair is happening at your school and there is a thing that we can rally around. That is what, you know, the fair hosts, the counselors start talking, doing some preparation prior to the fair to have people start looking at uh, doing some of that research to get those conversations started in the family unit uh, is great too. Elevating Admission Voices with Dan Savedra. It is an awesome conversation that starts with a high school internship and ends with the founder of a company that many of us are using every day in our work. It is an awesome conversation. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Elevating Admission Voices. Joining me today is Dan Saavedra, president and founder, although that is not what you have on your uh, business card signature of StriveScan. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Nice to be here, Angie. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I always like to start the show. I'm really excited. Dan has been such a huge champion of me personally and professionally. And then as I decided to jump blindly into the land of podcasting. Dan has been such a huge supporter and and uh, advocate and advice giver, which I very much appreciate. Um, and so I was really excited for him to to join me on the show because Dan, I don't think everyone necessarily knows you. People know the purple now. People know Strive Scan because you have you're everywhere across the US and and internationally, yes. 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 Um, so let's start there. Who are you? How do you identify? What's your path to where your seating sitting today looks like? Oh, man, what a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Dan Saavedra, uh, I live in Chicago. Um, I am the president and founder of StriveScan. And my path is a winding one, I will say. Yeah. Uh, and winding in some ways, but it ends up back sort of in the same place. So uh, i I had the distinct privilege of working with Illinois ACAC since I was 16 years old. It was my high school part-time job in some ways. So the way I got there was I'd always been interested in technology uh, and did an internship in Silicon Valley during the dot-com boom of okay. the uh, early 2000s. So if you... Uh, listeners of a certain age will know, remember the names AOL and Netscape. Um, I did a- We can all hear did, the like dial up in the back. Yeah. Now. <laughs> uh, yes. Proceed to have that note, that sound play in the back of your head, that squealing noise. Um, but I worked in Silicon Valley for a summer uh, as an intern with their web production team. So as a developer programmer for uh, Netscape.com. And very quickly, despite the glamour of the dot-com boom, where there was a hot tub in the office and all of the, yeah, uh, all I don't of know the- people should be hot tubbing with their colleagues, but that's no, a different totally conversation not. It for was another podcast. Silicon Valley in the early 2000s was a crazy place. Lots of expensive <laughs> sports cars in the parking lot. 
And uh, I came away from that experience like any good summer internship where you kind of learn what you like and when you learn what you don't like. And I realized I was not designed to be a developer. I love technology. Um, technology has always come very easily to me, but being a programmer was not what I was interested in. I wanted to be more uh, on the customer side of things, working with people, not just heads down and they code all day long. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, great experience, just crazy eye-opening as a 16-year-old working in a cubicle in an office building, um, and then came back to where I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and uh, went back to my my ordinary life. And a crazy thing happened was uh, the director of uh, counseling, Marianne Kelly was the president of Illinois ACAC at the time when I was a junior in high school. And so uh, Illinois ACAC had a company that was doing their website and it went bankrupt one day, stopped returning their calls. Oh my gosh. And so someone was like, and so uh, my, uh, Marianne Kelly had reached out to counselors in her network and said, does anyone know of any companies that do websites? Like we need some help. And my counselor, who knew who I had done uh, this this internship, said, oh, I don't know any companies, but maybe I have the student who might be able to help us out. And that's how I got one of my first uh, part-time jobs working on websites was uh, through my counselor and the president of Illinois ACAC at that point. So uh, in some ways, I've been working in admissions since I was 16 years old, and that is not that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, so you, I think so many people that have been on the show and then obviously just that we've had connections with over the years are like, I sort of fell into this accidentally. Clearly true for you at 16. <laughs> but then what happened next? You didn't, you didn't yeah. become an admission counselor to my knowledge, I don't think. Right. Yeah. yeah. So no, I've never had the privilege of working actually on the admission side or in an admissions office or on the high school side, yeah. but uh, worked with the associations. And that's what I really enjoyed was so through my uh, high school years, undergrad and then graduate school, even I did website development was the technology person for Illinois ACAC all those years, just growing up with the association. I think that's how we became friends, Angie. Yeah. That's how I became many of my friends. Um, was doing that work and very crucially was uh, had a, you know, we had gone through a couple of website redesigns together and the college fair committee uh, decided that they wanted to bring the college fair calendar up to the 21st century, make it all electronic, be able to track like um, details we take for granted today in Illinois of like where, where these fairs are, what type of fairs they are, do all the online registration in one place, track changes, all those great things. Uh, and that was my first foray into college fairs. Uh, I had not gone to my own college fair at uh, my high school. Uh, and I feel like that's just so true of all of us, right? We're like, well, we were, yeah. we would hate to be our own student these days because we did all of the things you're not supposed to do. So that's so funny to me. Did it all wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now, so learned a lot about college fairs through that work and through that progression. And I credit a lot of uh, the friends that I made through Illinois ACC um, and the committee, the college fair committee that was running at that point to say, you know, we can, we need to do this better. Uh, we need to make this electronic and make this easier for everyone participating in the fairs. And so it was that 
presentation at the IACC conference of here is the brand new online college fair calendar. That was uh, 2015, that conference. Mm -hmm. And um, John Bockenstadt stood up in that uh, conference session and said like, why are we still doing paper inquiry cards? Can't we do something electronic? And that kicked off a whole whirlwind. I, I had no idea what the consequences of that statement were going to be at that point in time. <laughs> I feel like that's uh, true of a lot of statements from John Mackenset. Absolutely, right? <laughs> and and so then everyone kind of digs back and says, okay, what can we do? That's yeah. a great question, what can we do? Um, so the College Fair Committee did some research. They looked at what was out there. There was nothing electronic at that point happening in Illinois. Uh, looked at the options that were out there at that point, decided they didn't like uh, one thing or another for for particular reasons. And they came back to me as the technology person for Illinois ACAC and said, you know, Dan, like, you know, technology, can you, is there something else out there that we can utilize that would do what we needed to do to collect this information for students, make it easier for us on the road? Um, and I looked, I spent a couple months just looking to see, you know, there's got to be something out there. There's always a tool for something like in, in those situations. And that had been my role in technology up until that point is finding the best tools for my clients to help them do their jobs and just realized that, you know, there wasn't really something that was meeting all of the needs, checking all the boxes to make this an easy process for students to get registered and then meeting the needs of the high school counselors who were running the fairs or, and the, the reps who were wanted to be collecting that information yeah so, well and I think that when you talk about like meeting all the needs the thing that always comes up in my mind when I think of like a word for strive to get is really that nimbleness of it and I think that's exactly what you're describing here of finding a product that meets the needs of so many different partners that has to use it in order to maximize that is is not easy finding it's one thing I think my biggest question is how does one go about creating something like that because I think the easy well but for real though like the easy thing is in this field we talk there's a lot of talk about like this side of the desk or that side of the desk or is this in the best interest of students well it's maybe partially we're close but we're not because this mm -hmm. that how did you find the space and in some capacities kind of the boldness to say we're going to create something that is going to be in the best interest of all parties who use it and maybe that wasn't the intention, but I do feel like that's what the result has been. Yeah, it was, um, it's interesting because you're right. There are not always, not every industry is like the profession of college admissions because- I think that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right. But it's interesting to explain to outsiders to say, yes, there are these other parties involved. So yes, there's a transaction that occurs between a student and a college rep. But yes, there are these other people, the high school counselors, the independent counselors, yeah. the association that are all stakeholders in a college fair, in admissions that are all uh, can all benefit from the service that we provide. And so I think keeping that at the center uh, and starting out every conversation of, okay, how can we benefit every aspect of the profession, every stakeholder group in the profession and deliver a little something to each one of those groups. And that's something that we've always, I, I would say, you know, that how we got there is a lot of interviews and questions. So asking, understanding, uh, I went to many fairs at the beginning, my first college fairs were just me kind of walking around talking. You've seen me, you've seen me, Angie, at fairs 
walking around talking and understanding how we can do things better. Um, we spend a lot of time, my team and I spend a lot of time on the road at fairs talking with all of those stakeholders. Dan is very generous because he's also very sweet because he's been the recipient of much of my unsolicited advice over the last couple and, of years. And I I love it. Everything that we do um, has been the product of that feedback, solicited or unsolicited. It's all great. <laughs> uh, but it really helps us improve. And it was questions like, one thing that I'm really proud of is some of the data that we report back to mm-hmm. the fair hosts or and the high school counselors. Um, about their fair because it's it's things that you know the college side's really great about tracking a lot of those interactions and knowing exactly uh, all that data but to be able to reveal some of those interactions that occurred at a fair that anecdotally a, a counselor or administrator school administrator can sit back and and stand back and watch the fair happen and you feel busy and there are a lot of great conversations look at the data and and show the number of interactions and where the students are, who they're talking to. Um, there was a great question. We we do this thing in, in our in our report that shows the fair host which colleges their students are talking to. And then we also plot that data on a map. Oh, and cool. so they can see you know, is there a bias towards like one coast or another? Are our students looking out of state or not? Um, and uh, I'll, I'll credit uh, credit where credit is due is David Boyle um, from the Glenbrooks Fair said, you know, I'd love to know this information to be able to say not, you know, is my, how's my counsel? Are we talking enough about the small private liberal arts mm. in the Northeast? Do I need to do more counseling? How can I use this data to inform and push students outside of their comfort zone and the large state flagship institutions? Do we need to look other places um, and inform not just the event logistics, but also the work that we're doing all the other days of the year as well? As I'm listening to you, I I wrote down this question because I've read some articles recently about this concept or this idea, I suppose, that high school visits and college fairs and the traditional way we've done our work of sort of that that personalized in-person experience is dying. It's not going to be the same anymore. But then I listen to you and I've been on the road and I've had those magical moments where you talk to a kid and you're like, that kid might not come to my school, but I know that that interaction made a difference in this three minutes for that family. Where do you see, having gotten, having had the opportunity to do fairs truly from coast to coast, where do you see this field going for college fairs and high school visits and, and the work that we do? Um, I will be the first to say I'm not a prognosticator on this. Like, I can't see the future at all. Uh, and, <laughs> It'd be so and, much easier for all of us if we had that ability. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say I, what I do see is it's the role of it is changing. And yeah. I think... Uh, you have students who arrive at both ends of the spectrum. So you have students who are either less prepared when they first walk into that gym or um, high school visit because of the concerns and the learning loss of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So you have that side. But then you also have students who on the other side have done a lot of research already and come into that conversation better prepared than they would have already 
uh, normally have been because they have so many digital tools at their fingertips. So you have both ends of the spectrum. And so in some ways- And a whole lot in the middle. A whole lot in the middle, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in some ways that makes these in-person meetings and, and large events like fairs even more important because they drive everyone to these opportunities when the fair is happening at your school and there is a thing that we can rally around. That is what, you know, the fair hosts, the counselors start talking, doing some preparation prior to the fair to have people start looking at uh, doing some of that research to get those conversations started in the family unit uh, is great too. So it's, there's, there's, it's changed, it's modified, but I still think they're just as important, if not more important to, to start initiating those conversations or to allow those students uh, an opportunity to dive deeper and ask those additional questions. Yeah, one of the things that I love, which I don't know that that people talk about regularly is, is the, like you're saying, the diversity of who comes in. Also, the fact that it's a scan instead of a filled out card. I love the parents that come and are like, my kid is at volleyball. They can't be here, but can you just scan this so that we can still have that interaction down the road where that parent might've come before, but they were never going to spend the time to fill out a card necessarily, or, you know, maybe they would have done it for a couple schools, but not all the schools. And, and the number of students that, you know, you see in their uniforms and in their practice jerseys that are like, Hey, I just ran over here, like baseball just ended, but I wanted to come and I knew I could do this and, and participate. I think that's something that's so remarkable about the addition of this kind of technology to fairs that are small and also fairs that are huge. And I think that's something that people maybe get lost in this, what you all have been, have created and provided isn't something that you have to do at a fair that's a thousand colleges. It is also so yeah. valuable at a, a, a really small localized regional fair or something that isn't as big or doesn't get as much attention as other places because of that ease of access for our students, I think. Yeah, I think we've always endeavored to work with any type of fair. So uh, we have we have counselors all the time that approach us and say, you know, my is my fair too small? And that doesn't exist, right? Like it can yeah. benefit from this at any scale. That's kind of what we've always uh, tried to be able to support fairs at any scale. Um, but you're right. I think there's there are so many obligations and yes, practice and uh, those types of things, but also the student who is also a caregiver for siblings or has work. Um, those are also like, we've seen those time and time again as being blocks for students to access mm -hmm. the same information from the fair. And it's unfortunate that it can only happen one day out of the year, or one day out of the semester for that, for that fair to occur. And so I think that's where we're, we're trying to create additional uh, experiences for those students before and after the fair as well. So providing more information about the colleges that are attending um, so they can start doing their research in advance. And then also afterwards, uh, you know, uh, that's something that we we just released this spring is called Misconnection. So when those students can't get to your table, you can't actually scan them for one reason or another. They, they either because they missed your table at the fair or they were sick or had work or practice and they couldn't get to the fair, they are still able to connect with those colleges um, as well. And so they don't, 
well, it's not as great as, as if they had talked with you, but at least there's still a, a connection that can be made. They can still express interest uh, in a particular school and get more information and maybe have those conversations down the road. Yeah, I I think that's so important. And I, I again, I think what's so fascinating about this, and I really, again, wanted to have you on because I don't think people know sort of the origin story of Skin and, and what's happened in really a relatively short amount of time. And then how much you all pivoted during the pandemic to provide resources when we were all just trying to figure out what, <laughs> what are we doing? How can we possibly finish some of this work that we had started? Um, really, I mean, three years ago, almost to this week when we're recording, yeah. the world changed and, and yeah. you all and your team was really instrumental in kind of finding ways to do that. One of my questions is because of the role that you all have, you get to see a lot of different schools, a lot of different high schools, a lot of different independent counselors, a lot of different colleges and universities. We all can do this work better. How? What do you see from the seat you're sitting in of where we universally could start to move some of this forward? If if you're like, gosh, if I could just get every high school to do this, or if I could just get every college to do this, what, what are some of the things that are on that list for you? Oh, great question. Um, I would say the there are there are so many tools at the student's disposal today that there's a lot of noise, um, and it, we rely so heavily on our high school counselor partners mm. to break through that noise and focus on particular opportunities. So nothing about what we do works without the support and promotion by the high school counselors to say, come to this fair. Here's how you utilize a fair. Um, these are the types of things that you can ask questions about. And that part is so critical to yeah. the success of both the fair, but also for the students to get out, to get valuable information out of the fair. You know, we, we, a lot of people have been to fairs where, you know, they're, they're drive-bys. You pick the students come in, pick up a lot of materials and you don't have those conversations. And so much of that can be helped by just a little bit of pre-preparation on, um, in advance of the fair. And that could be anything from, on the bus on the way over to the fair or in a classroom in the homeroom before or um in the junior night or anything like that to, to start thinking about you know this is an opportunity where you're gonna have so many college opportunities in the same room mm -hmm. and we can get all these materials online already but so how do you utilize that this opportunity differently than just going to all these schools' websites. You have these representatives, people with so much information available to you. Um, and this only happens every so often. So how can they take best take advantage of this unique opportunity that's coming to their school or their community? Yeah, it, it's, it's a lot. You mentioned that these students are having so much thrown at them and then our school partner counselors, our school counselor partners are trying to navigate through that and all of the schools and colleges and universities are sending so much 
creating some of that differentiation and creating some of that education is all of our responsibilities and and not necessarily just the the high school partners. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit because obviously we've we've talked a lot about Strivescan and the logistics there, uh, which I'm fascinated by. But at the beginning, I mentioned that you're the president and founder of this organization, which means you're also leading people. And so in, in addition to creating something and continuously pivoting, you're also managing a team that is largely remote, based across entirely the country, remote. entirely yeah. remote, uh, based across the country. How does that, what does that look like for you? And how have you managed that role sort of transitioning from somebody who's worked pretty independently most of your career, from what I know, uh, to somebody that's managing people? Uh, it's it's a it's been a challenge and it's been constantly a, a new challenge every day uh, and I also love it. That's the part. My, I have a I have a fantastic team. I am absolutely um, impressed by every day by what they do, and uh, we have two members of the team who used to be regional reps. So everyone is is remote. Um, we have been remote from day one. Zach George, my first hire, was a regional prior to joining StriveScan. And so we had this. And then you guys built of, this at your kitchen table? Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> Zach wasn't working from home. He'd come over, we'd sit at my kitchen table, we'd hash things out together. Uh, and it was fantastic. Um, and we realized, like, yeah, having office space or requiring, like, both of us had not worked in offices for quite a while prior mm. to, to Stripes. And so we didn't feel like it was necessary for the two of us just to go into an office to do the same thing there. Why not be comfortable yeah. um, wherever we were? And we were used to working very independently and traveling quite a bit too. So if we're not traveling on the road, uh, we have that flexibility to be working from home. Um, and now we have a team who we are practically in every time zone. We've got two on the East Coast, two on the West Coast. I'm holding down the central time zone. Uh, and so that's a challenge in and of itself is just being able to work across all the time zones. But at the same time, we can benefit from the wealth of experience that each person brings from their own admissions background. So our, my team is all, they all have admissions backgrounds. They all come from um, admission offices. And all different sorts of institutions too. Um, and that's been really neat to have them bring their own lens, knowing different recruitment territories, and then being able to connect with our partners through those lenses and having experience with all different sorts of uh, territories. But then also for them to be able to speak from, they were all StriveScan users prior to coming to, oh, to yeah. work with us. Interesting. So they all had that experience of, going from paper inquiry cards to using StriveScan and having it help their own jobs. And so they can speak very personally about it when they talk to a fair host or another rap on the road of like, how this is how it can benefit you because it benefited me in this way too. So um, that is definitely something that we look for in hiring um, is having, having that experience and being able to speak personally about it. So one of the things that I, I ask a lot of people who come on the show, especially as we've come out of the pandemic, there's there's just the push to do more, less time, less resources, more delivery on expectations. As you've built this, as you guys have continued to grow very rapidly in a lot of capacities, as you look at the time span of what you've done, how do you also find time to take care of yourself in that? Because I think sometimes that can get lost, right? When you're trying to take care of your team and your partners and your clients, 
where do you find time for Dan? Uh, luckily, you know, the things that drive me, I, I found, you know, I've created a job that enables me to really enjoy myself as part of my work too. So the things that, you know, drive me is I love to travel. I love traveling prior to Strive Skin. And I get to do a lot of that now too. Um, and then technology too. Like I was, so, I'm someone who spends a lot of money on gadgets and the newest, the newest and latest technology. And now I get to do that as part of my my work too. Um, so that's that's one part of it. I think it's just finding an opportunity or creating the opportunity to uh, marry the things that you love about life and your recreation, but then also finding that separation too. So whenever we travel, and this goes for our entire team, I love, we have a water cooler channel in our Slack that when we are traveling and we find a cool restaurant or go on an, uh, an interesting hike during the day before that evening fair, um, everyone posts to that channel with uh, some of the things they've seen or got to do as part of that StriveScan related travel. Um, and that I think keeps it really fun. And you, you, you know, I encourage that we find that balance through the course of the day um, and breaking it up a little bit. We uh, luckily with StriveScan travel, we're not doing necessarily like four visits and then the fair <laughs> afterwards. Um, so we have a little bit more flexibility uh, in some cases to partake in the local sites or I, what uh, I'm hearing here is we need a strive scan travel Instagram so we can see the pictures of these places for all <laughs> the rest of us to live vicariously through you all and so we know where to go when we're in these locations there you go. absolutely yeah our team has really good um depth of knowledge in, in restaurants and, <laughs> and hikes and parks and stuff like that around our territories so I have two questions as we wrap up and I feel like our time went so, so fast. Um, so fast. Uh, one of them is, I don't know if you remembered at the at the beginning, but you were like, I am not destined to be a developer. <laughs> yes. This is, you've developed something that's truly innovative. It meets the needs of people and it continues to change. What, so I would argue that you are a champion for developing and for innovation um, what thoughts do you have for others who want to try something new? Because I think they're, like you said, in, at some point, our industry is really not like anybody else's. And there is space for people to bring new ideas to the table, but that can be hard. So yeah. what thoughts do you have for somebody that's like, I see this gap. Nobody else sees it, but I see it. I have an idea how to fill it. How can I do that? Yeah. Um, you got to do a lot of questioning. You got to talk to a lot of people. And that's what I love about my role. I love this about getting involved in your local NACAC affiliate, ACAC, ACRO group, whatever it may be. There are just so many professional opportunities uh, within the admissions profession to get involved. And those are the people you need to talk to when you have this idea. Your counterparts not in your office or outside your office. And that's who I credit for helping me build StriveScan are all those connections, yourself included, that I met through working with ICAC. Um, and, and that's how I met Zach. That's how we've met a lot of our other hires as well. The rest of my team, they all have these professional connections through, uh, and they've been all been very involved in their um, local professional organizations. And that's how they, they came on our radar. That's how we... Um, you know, I got references from them or for them as well. But it's having, building that network of people you trust to be able to ask 
those types of candid questions of like, how should this work for you? Mm. Um, so that's what I did was spent months just asking, okay, so you, to the, my friends on the college fair committee of, okay, so you looked at these other services, what, what about them didn't work or like, why, why do you need this? How would you imagine this working in an ideal situation? If you could just make this up. And people love sharing those ideas. Um, you mentioned your own unsolicited feedback, but that's that's totally the case, you know? And, and that's what helps us improve all the time. And so asking those types of questions, knowing, building your network up to, to have the right people to turn to, to ask, um, you know, I have this idea or I think it could work this way. Um, it's just been completely so valuable to me in building StriveScan and by having the team I have in place now, I know our uh, network expands exponentially as a result of it. So we have all these other people, you know, a lot of our, our staff meeting is like, oh yes, I know someone in that group or recruits that area. I could ask them about this. And that's how we have some basis to go on. And then it's experimenting. It's trying new things that we try not to have too many bureaucratic blocks in our small organization of, of like, I have an idea, I want to run with it, let's try it, see what happens, um, and and be able to to try new things like that way and innovate. Yeah. I I think that's important for people to hear. And and our our, our field's gonna continue to change. I, I think we've seen that at the national level. I think we've seen that from things that have happened governmentally over the last couple of years and and the pandemic has fundamentally changed the way that we do our work. And um, I hope people who are listening hear from you, there's space in this field to bring those new ideas. Like they might have the next big thing that changes the way literally we all do our work. And I hope they're um, bold enough to to start to ask those questions and say, hey, would this this impact you? I have this idea because it's crazy to think where, how we did this before, right? Like, of course yeah. we have skin. Of course we of course we do that at our fairs. Um, and so it's it's so it's so interesting how quickly that can change and become part of the landscape of what we do, um, which is really, yeah. really valuable. My last question, which I know you know is coming because you've heard the show before. Um, I love to champion people and I love that this podcast gives space to do that. I also love for people to be able to champion themselves. And so Dan Saavedra, what is the thing that you are exceptional at? unapologetically because <laughs> everyone um, is always like well I don't want to say like yeah I I oh gosh such a this is such a tricky question but I think it's it's you can throw me into like any technology and I love tinkering around with it mm. um I, I'm not a read the instructions kind of person but I like dive into the new app and look at all the settings and try to figure out how it all works and uh, that sort of, you know, kind of goes to like the problem solving aspect of it as like, we need to know how this works so we can figure out. And I think that that's uh, any challenge you you find yourself in. I think that that's sort of the same idea is you, you look at the larger picture, you, you poke around, you've tried to figure out how this thing works. And I think that can apply to a new organization, a new recruitment territory you have. And it's just kind of like, okay, how does this thing fit with this other thing and cause the other thing to, to happen? Um, okay. What are the different dominoes here and how are they connected? And 
does this setting do this? Does it do, does it do what I expect it to do? Does it do something weird? Does it, does it throw this off here? And I think you know, technology sort of works the same way that organizations work in that way. If you try to figure out, and sometimes it doesn't work, right? And it's broken, <laughs> or it doesn't make sense. And you got to be prepared for that too. Um, but understanding, you know, just diving into it, figuring out what you can, trying things out, seeing if it, if you can break it um, are all, you know, that's what I love doing. I'm now imagining like six-year-old Dan, like taking apart the remote control to make it do oh. something else. So <laughs> totally. I broke, I broke a lot of things growing up, much to my parents' chagrin. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. As I've said to others and, and those who've done this with me before, the field that we work in, there's room for all of us. And it's not just one side of the table or the other side of the table. And I think having someone like you on, on to get to hear from a vendor partner aspect of of Ooh. something oh, that we don't v like, word the v, oh we okay do you want to talk about that let's talk about that um it's a tough word um okay. i think i think we have endeavored to be something beyond just a vendor right a vendor who um we have tried to because my team all comes from the admissions world right yeah. we have no one everyone started out there um and and understands the job that we're trying to help everyone do with strivescan like all the stakeholders they've been on the other side of that and how can we help complete that that task and and i think the the vendor word uh there's a lot of stigma to it and we really try to go beyond just providing a service to actually being partners with our associations, with the institutions utilizing it. Um, so yeah, that's that's just. I'm glad I accidentally, I'm glad I accidentally <laughs> stumbled into this. When Dan and I started, I was like, "We just it's a windy road. We'll get to the end, but it's all very yeah. organic." And this is a perfect example of how these conversations go because I think that's a really important conversation to have as we navigate our own roles within this field. I know there's been conversations with our high school partners about what their roles and their their titles are and, and how we can be respectful of the work that they're doing and making sure that their titles are reflective of that as we partner. And same thing with different schools and different colleges and universities and our independent colleagues. And so I think that's a really valuable conversation to have. And um, certainly I don't have any negative association with the idea of vendor, but I think it's important for others to hear that just because you don't have a negative association with it doesn't mean that it's not a word that triggers something for somebody else. And so I think that's a really yeah. important, um, you all are, are remarkable partners, uh, certainly, and have been such an asset to me and, and my team specifically, um, and certainly as as friends too. So that's been sort of something personally that I've always been very thankful for. Um, thank you all for joining us on another episode of Elevating Admission Voices. As I always say, there's room at the table for everyone. So scoot over and pull up a chair. Until next time, friends, have a great day. <laughs>